We're going to continue in our worship in God's Word. I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, that's where we're going to be in God's Word today. Uh, you know, it was, it was 34 years ago today that I got to spend Father's Day for the last time with my dad. 34 years ago, my, my dad was gone, and uh, I've spent the last of those years without my dad on earth with me, but my dad has always been in my heart. And I thank God for my dad. So if you're here today and your dad has gone on to be with the Lord, uh, be thankful. Be thankful for the time you did get to have with your dad, that you spent with your dad. Uh, I'll tell you something else. Um, Over 26 years ago, I spent Father's Day for the first time without my child. My daughter Hillary passed away, and I remember that first Father's Day. um, After my daughter had died, uh, it was hard. And so maybe your a parent today who's lost a child, and and you're feeling that as well. There's all kinds of emotions that come with these days that we remember and we honor and we say thank you uh, for our moms and our dads. But but here's the thing. God is good, amen? And He's good all the time. And God will flood your heart and your mind with beautiful memories. And I'm so thankful for... Uh, The times that I've had, because, you know, for the last 25 years, I've spent uh, fathering children. Uh, My daughter, Francie, she's 25, my son, Jacob, and Katie, and Jonah. And so God has blessed me with opportunity after opportunity to be a dad to my children, and I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for God, because here's the thing. Uh, God loves me, and I know that. God loves me more and better than anybody has ever loved me and ever could. You want to know why? John tells us in his letters in 1 John, it's because God is love. And so today's message is for everyone. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Today's message is for anyone who chooses to listen, who chooses to hear. But especially today, I believe today's message is for men. It's, it's for husbands. It's for fathers. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 8 and we were able to see what God did to and what God did through Philip. If you'll remember, uh, God called Philip to go to the desert road. It was a hard place. It was a hot place. It was an empty place, a barren place. But Philip was a man full of the Spirit and he was full of wisdom. And that was before the desert road. And so think about that. Philip was already being filled by the Spirit of God and already being filled with the wisdom of God. And God said, hey, I want you to leave this place where you are now and I want you to go to the desert road. And he didn't even tell Philip what was going to happen. He just said, go there. And do you know what Philip did? He was full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. So guess what he did? He went there. (laughs) He listened to the Lord and he obeyed the Lord. He went there because he had a divine appointment with an Ethiopian eunuch. And he led that Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. And that Ethiopian eunuch was changed forever because of the listening and the obeying of Philip. And I'm going to tell you, this is a pretty good example for all of us as Christ followers, right? This is a good example for us to look at. Because I believe as Christ followers, we need to be great listeners. We we need to be prepared to listen to God, because here's the thing, God will speak. 
God does speak. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through His Spirit. He speaks through creation. And so we need to be great listeners. But not only that, we need to be great obeyers. When God says to do something, we need to do it. And and we need to do it immediately. That's what Philip did. And so I believe this is a great example. Philip is a great example of someone already walking with the Lord, listening to the Lord, and obeying the Lord. And today we're going to see another example. We're going to see another road, if you will. Philip was called to the desert road. You see, I believe Philip experienced that divine appointment by the Lord on the desert road. So he was already walking with the Lord, and the divine appointment was by the Lord for someone else. It was for the Ethiopian eunuch. But Saul, on the other hand, in Acts chapter 9, Saul experienced a divine appointment with the Lord. And it was on the Damascus road. And so these are two different men. They're on two different roads. They're in two different places physically, but more importantly, spiritually. But understand, the same Lord that was speaking to Philip is the same Lord speaking to Saul. The same love that was poured out on Philip as he was walking with the Lord and obeying the Lord and listening to the Lord, it's the same love being poured out on Saul. It's a love that not only saves, it's a love that sanctifies. And I believe that's what we're going to see. So if you were to look at Acts chapter 8, right next to Acts chapter 9, I believe in Acts chapter 8, you see a man already walking with the Lord and he's being sanctified by the Lord. In other words, he's looking more and more like the Jesus that he proclaims. But Acts chapter 9, it's not yet about sanctification, it's about salvation. It's about what God can do at any time with anyone. See, I believe no one is out of God's reach. No one. If anybody could have been out of God's reach, it was Saul. And let me show you why. In Acts chapter 9, look at the very first verse. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Right? So if anybody could have been out of God's reach, it would have been him. Someone who was persecuting Jesus and persecuting his believers, it would have been him. It says he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any, anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly, don't you love this? Suddenly, it's like out of nowhere. Oh, it was out of somewhere. (laughs) It wasn't out of nowhere. It was out of somewhere. It was out of heaven. It says suddenly, right? A light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into 
Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now here's what I believe. I I believe in this passage, in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, I believe we see two ways of life. I believe we see two demonstrations of life. And here's the truth. You and I, we will walk in one of these ways. Sometimes we try to straddle. Sometimes we try to put one foot in this life and one foot in this life, right? One foot in this way and one foot in that way. But here's the truth. We, we, it ain't no balance to it. We, we either walking in one way of life or we're walking in the other. And that's what we see. So let me explain those two ways of life. Chapter 9, verse 1 started off with a man named Saul. So let's talk about Saul's way of life. Let me tell you, I can describe Saul's way of life with two words, imprisonment and death. Those are the two best words that I can use to describe Saul's way, imprisonment and death. Let me tell you about Saul's way. It was the way of the world. It was the way of self. Let me tell you in case you don't know who Saul was. Saul was both a Jew and a Roman. Saul was Jewish by his mother's side, and he was Roman by his father's side. He was born a Jew, and because he was born a Jew, he actually studied the law of God under Gamaliel. We find that out in Acts chapter 22. Not only that, Saul actually became a Pharisee because he was descended from Pharisees. We find that out in in Acts 23. And the Bible tells us that Saul rose to great power in this world. Do you know why he rose to great power in this world? The Bible says it was because of his intense training and his education in the ways of the world. In other words, he was doing things by the world's standards and by the world's systems. Let me tell you about Saul. Saul actually believed that he was doing God a favor. He actually believed that he was doing God a favor by tracking down all of these so-called believers of the way. Because see, they weren't yet called Christians. They were called followers of the way. And the reason why is because Jesus said he was the way. And so Saul, with all of his training, right, all of his education, he thought we'll put all of these believers of the way in prison, or better yet, We'll kill him. Because what does verse 1 say? He was breathing out what? Murderous threats. You know what that means? That means death. And we've already seen that Saul was standing there holding the coats of the first martyr that we see in the Bible, Stephen. And so there's no doubt about Saul's way. Listen, I believe this. I believe Saul wanted to know the law frontwards and backwards. And here's what I believe. I believe Saul knew all about God. He knew all about God, but here's the truth. He did not know God. He did not know God in his heart. He did not have a relationship with God. All he had was information. That's all he had. He was doing things the way of the world. You don't know who Saul was? Saul was a people pleaser. He, He wanted to impress and please the other Pharisees. As a matter of fact, he wanted to rise up in the ranks of the Pharisees. It was all about, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. That's the way of the world. And I'm going to tell you something. If we're not careful, 
daddies in the room, fathers, if we're not careful, we will train ourselves, we will educate ourselves, and we will work, work, work in the ways of the world. And before long, guess what? We'll surrender to it. And the education and the training and the work of the world will become our God. And we'll bow down to it. And we'll serve it. You want to know why? Because we'll think the best way for me to provide for my wife, the best way for me to provide for my kids is to do it this way. Is to live this way. To work this way. The way of the world. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible is very clear. God's word is very clear. He tells us about Saul with all of his training, with all of his education, with all of his status, he was still a persecutor of people. He still breathed out murderous threats against people. He wanted to imprison people. Bible says he actually breathed out murder and breathed out death. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's the way of the world. The way of the world only leads to one place, death death. But there's another way. Oh, there's another way. Suddenly, we see another way. And it's Jesus's way. It's the way of liberation and life. Those are two words that I would use to describe life and and liberation. Those two words, that's the way I would describe Jesus. That's the way I would describe Jesus's way. As a matter of fact, this is the way of God. This is the way of amazing grace. I I think about this passage of scripture and it's hard for me not to go back into Isaiah. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 61 is the, these are the words that Jesus used. He actually quoted Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19. Listen to this, right? Written years before Saul even was born. Listen to what God said to Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. You know what that is? Liberation. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. Do do you think that that's a coincidence? That ain't no coincidence. That's God. God spoke to Isaiah all those years before what God was going to do in the life of one of the greatest persecutors of the church, Saul, on the Damascus Road. You tell me God don't have divine plans and God don't have divine appointments set up. He told Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I set you apart. I had plans and purposes for you. Divine appointment. And so just like Philip had a divine appointment by the Lord on a desert road to proclaim Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch, oh, Saul had a divine appointment with the Lord on the Damascus road to change his life forever. Jesus also says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Does that sound a lot like Saul or what? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What was Saul breathing out against the church? Murderous threats. But Jesus says, I have come so that they may have what? Life. And have it how? Abundantly. 
to the full. Listen, Saul, this is what's awesome to me. Saul was not there when Jesus spoke these words in Luke chapter 4. Saul was not there when Jesus spoke these words in John chapter 10. By Saul's time, by Acts chapter 9, Jesus has died. Jesus has risen from the grave. But the word is life. And the word is light. And the word became flesh. And his name is Jesus. Think about that for just a second, right? The words were still true. Time and space and place could not stop God's amazing grace that was being poured out through Jesus onto Paul or Saul, if you will. The Damascus Road, two words, actually one word said twice, made all the difference. One word said twice. Saul, Saul. Listen, Saul wasn't the only one on the road, was he? No, there were no, there were some guys with Saul. And when they saw what was going on, the Bible says they were speechless, right? But on this moment and on this day, who was the Lord speaking to? Saul. One word spoken twice, and it's the word that made all the difference. It was time for Saul to experience Jesus. Not just to know about God, but to know God personally and intimately. This is so amazing to me. Jesus called out to the one who was persecuting him. Who was persecuting his followers. Jesus reached out to a sinner. Said his name. Showed himself. Maybe that's why Saul, who became Paul when he wrote the book of Romans, said this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe when Paul wrote those words in Romans chapter 5, he closed his eyes for just a second and remembered the Damascus road. When Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul. Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. Now think about this for just a minute. Saul was hunting down the followers of the way, right? So so in, in a literal sense, he was tracking down men and women who followed Jesus. But notice just how important those followers are to Jesus because Jesus said, you're persecuting me. When you hunt down and imprison and put to death one of my followers, you're hunting me down and you're putting me to death. You're imprisoning me. He said, you're persecuting me. That's how close Jesus was. That's the oneness, right, that we experience when we're in Christ and Christ is in us. And so this was a... This was a life-changing opportunity. And notice, right, notice that Jesus spoke to him, but he had a choice, didn't he? He, Saul had a choice to embrace what he heard and to do what was said or to reject it. Well, guess what? The Bible says Saul went. The Bible said Saul went to where the Lord told him to go. Go on into Damascus. Let's pick up in verse 10, because there's another guy that the Lord speaks to and the Lord uses, right? And it's someone who was already 
in the way and someone who was already in the Spirit. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house on Judas, uh, the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is, what does it say? Praying. Tell me Jesus hasn't already made a difference in the life of Saul. He's already made a difference. Saul obeyed the Lord and went where he said to go. Saul began praying, probably for the first time, right? First time actually praying to the God of heaven and the God of his heart. It says he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. In other words, the Lord said, he's seen you. He's seen you, Ananias, come and place your hands on him to restore his sight. And look at verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Now, what do you think Ananias is feeling for just a moment? Oh, he's fearful, isn't he? It's like, wait, are you sure you want me to go to this guy named Saul from Tarsus? Because I've heard about this guy. Like, are, is that who you want me to go see? And look at what it says in verse 13, uh, 14, right, or 15. It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. In other words, don't question me. Right? I know what I'm doing, and you're the one that's going to do it. Go. This man is my chosen instrument. Don't you love that? God didn't, God didn't have to give Ananias an explanation. Look, we could have just read go and be done. But God gives him, right? God gives him an explanation. And here's what I believe. I believe God calmed his fears. That's what I believe. He says, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So the man that had caused suffering because of the name was now going to be called to suffer for the name. Mm. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Look at verse 20. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. What an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture. Now, I've already said this, but I do want to move back, and I want us to look at Ananias. Ananias, when... When the Lord was speaking to him, right? Ananias was filled with the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit because he heard the Spirit speak. And the Spirit called out his name. And so it was no doubt that the Spirit was talking to him. 
had plans and purposes for him, but it was plans and purposes to go and see this guy who was a murderer, right? An imprisoner, a persecutor of people like Ananias, people who followed the way. And so I believe Ananias was fearful, but he turned those fears over to the Lord because the Bible says he obeyed the Lord. So think about that. Anybody in here ever been fearful before? Right? God ever called you to do something? God ever said for you to do something? And you go, uh, are you sure? <laughs> well, hang on one second. Let me think about this. <laughs> let, let me remind you of what's going on, God. You ever been there before? Listen to me. It is okay to feel fear. It is not okay to surrender to it. Do you hear me? It is okay to feel fear, to be fearful. It, it, that's, that's one of the realities of sin, right? Sin has done that to us. But it is not okay as a Christ follower to live in that fear, to waller in that fear and to use that fear as an excuse before God. It's not. You know what we're called to do? We're called to love God and we're called to obey God fully in every way. And so he had heard of this persecution. He had heard of this one Saul that he was breathing out murderous threats, but the Lord calmed him down, right? The Lord, and I love these words because it's a reminder to me that God created me in his image and God created you in his image and God gave me a purpose and God gave you a purpose because he gave Saul a purpose. Listen to what the Lord said to Ananias. This man, Saul, the one you've heard about, who has been a persecutor of the way and believers of the way. This man is my what? Chosen instrument. In other words, God handpicked Saul. Think about that for a second. Could God have handpicked anybody else? I'm looking for a better answer than that. Yeah, yeah, you want to know why? Because God is sovereign. You know what that means? God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants. So could God have picked somebody else? Sure. But God picked Saul. He said, this man is my chosen instrument. And here's what he's going to do. He's he's going to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the Jews. That's what he's going to do. So the Lord assured him, assured him that Saul was his man now. That his life was changed because of an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so what does Ananias do? By obeying the Lord, he goes straight into that house and he encouraged Saul. Don't you love this? He encouraged him. How did he encourage him? Well, first things first, he put his hands on him. Right? Physical touch. In other words, we're connected. And think about this. The very first word he said to Saul, the very first word that we read that he said to Saul, what was the word that he used? Brother. You know what that means? We connected. Yeah, the same God that spoke to me is the God that spoke to you. The same Jesus that appeared to you on the road to Damascus is the Jesus that appeared to me. We in this together. He said, Brother Saul. And I'm going to tell you, after he encouraged Saul, what happened? The Bible says 
that scales fell off Saul's eyes, right? And that he could see. But something even better than that, guess what? It says he was filled with the Spirit. Right? Filled with the Spirit. The Bible says Saul was baptized. I believe he found the closest body of water. I believe he was submerged and came up a new creature in Christ. How do I believe he became a new creature in Christ? Because the old Saul was a persecutor of the church, and now the new Saul was a proclaimer of Jesus Christ to the church. That's life change that only Jesus can give. You know what this is? It's amazing grace. We sing that song all the time, don't we? Oh, amazing grace. But do we really think about the amazing grace that God has for us? That God gives us in Jesus Christ. Listen, I believe Jesus changes us. Yes, he changes our eternity. He, he changes our eternity. When we say yes to Jesus through repentance of our sin and faith and trust in him, we no longer, we no longer will go and experience this place called hell. We will go and experience this place called heaven with Jesus and with our God forever and ever and ever. That's called an eternal change. But I believe when we say yes to Jesus, our eternity begins right now. And so I believe Jesus changes our right now just like he changes our tomorrow and our next month and our next year and our eternity. He changes our right now. Why? Because the Bible said that Saul now felt like eating something. Yeah, he he ate him something. And it says he got his strength back. And when he got his strength back, he busted out of those doors. And what did he start doing? He found the closest synagogue and started telling them, Jesus is the Son of God. From persecutor to proclaimer, right? From imprisoner to liberator. That's what Jesus Christ has done. And that's what Jesus Christ still does today. I'm not going to read all these verses, but in verses 23 through 30, the Bible tells us that Saul was embraced and even protected by the very ones... (laughs) whom he was persecuting just days before. Think about that, right? Now, don't don't think they didn't have a hard time with it. Because the disciples were like, oh, wait, hold up now. Uh, This guy don't need to be with us. But guess what? Somebody else stepped up. Somebody named Barnabas. Do you know what the name Barnabas means in Hebrew? It means son of encouragement. So just like Ananias encouraged Saul... In his new relationship with the Lord, Barnabas tells the disciples, hey, I've seen what happened. I I, I know this man. We are brothers now, and it is okay. And as a matter of fact, the ones he used to work for, right, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the people doing it the world's way, the imprisoners, right, the persecutors, now they start hunting Saul down. Matter of fact, the Bible says they were waiting for him at the city gates. And do you know what they did? You want, you want to talk about humility. Saul used to walk through those city gates, right? With that chest bowed up. That neck probably like, like a buck in the rut, right? Like bowed, just mm. He was walking around like, yeah, I'm Saul. Well, guess what? Now they had to put him in a bucket and lower him over the walls so he could get, out, get away. Right? Pride and humility. But I'm going to tell you, humility is where it's at. Humility is where God does his best work. Saul was now a believer in and a participator for the way. 
Think about that. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, he was a murderer and an imprisoner. That's what it said. And here we are, right, halfway through the chapter, and he's now a believer in Jesus. And he's now a participator in the way, right, in the kingdom. You mean tell you what kind of difference it makes? It makes a difference in the church. The, the experience, the Damascus Road experience of Saul made a difference in the church. As a matter of fact, some theologians say uh, it was the greatest evangelical moment in the history of our world. That's what some theological, you know, that's what some theologians and biblical scholars tell us. It was the, one of the greatest evangelical moments in the history of our world. The moment when Saul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Listen to what it does. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. This is what the Bible says. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. What was Saul's goal in Acts chapter 9, verse 1? It was to minimize and to decrease the size of the church. But God says, let me show you what I can do. Right? Let me show you what my grace can do. My grace can change a life. And my grace can change the course of history. And that's what it does. What did God do? The Bible says God gave peace, strength, and encouragement to the believers. That's what God did. How did he do that? He did that on the Damascus Road to one who was far, far, far out of his will. And even though he may have been far, far, far out of his will, guess what? He was not out of God's reach. And I want to tell you, I believe that's what we see today. I believe that's what we see in this passage. No one, no one, I want to say that again, no one is out of God's reach. You got a family member you're praying for, and you just can't see a way out, and all you see is death and imprisonment, bondage, let me tell you something, no one is out of God's reach. You keep praying. Wives today, maybe you got a husband. Maybe you got a husband who doesn't believe in the way, who doesn't walk in the way. You keep praying because no one is out of God's reach. And I'm going to tell you, when God gets a man's heart, when God gets a husband's heart, it'll change the course of the family. When God gets a daddy's heart, it will change the course of the family. No one is out of God's reach. You know what that means? That means God can save and God can call anyone at any time to do anything in his kingdom. If there was anybody in the Bible that did not deserve to be known as one in the way, and one for the way, and I'm saying the way because that's what we see in this passage, if there was anyone who didn't deserve to be in Jesus and participating in Jesus' work, it was Saul. 
one of the greatest persecutors that the church has ever known, ever seen in this world. Yet what did God do? God said, I can save him. God said, I can save him. I'm going to call to him. And so Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul. Now don't miss this. Saul had to say yes. Saul had to say yes. See, Saul had free will just like you and I have free will. We can hear the Lord all day long. But until we say yes, Lord, and not just with our mouths but with our hearts, with our hands and with our feet, the life change won't come. We have to embrace it. And once we embrace it, then we can live it. I read an interesting article. Many of you know uh, the organization called the Salvation Army. They do incredible work all over the world when there's uh, catastrophes and when there's families that are hurting and have great needs. The Salvation Army has been there time and time again to give them clothes, to give them food, to give them shelter. I read an interesting story about a Salvation Army by the name of John Allen. John Allen said he used to live like the world and live for the world and live in the world. And he said when he began to work for the Salvation Army, he saw something different that he had never seen before. He began to experience things that he had never experienced before. And it was in that moment that John Allen realized that he was lost and he needed Jesus and he got saved. And this is what John Allen said to the people interviewing him about why he served in the Salvation Army. He was a high-ranking officer in the Salvation Army, and this is what he said. He said, I, John Allen, deserved to be damned to hell for eternity. But God interfered in my life by the way of grace. But God interfered in my life by the way of grace. God interfered in my life by way of grace. I'm going to tell you something, daddies in this room. My prayer is that God has interfered in your life by way of grace. My prayer is that you have heard the Lord call your name, whatever it may be. John, John. Brian, Brian. Aaron, Aaron, Jeff, Jeff. My prayer is that you've heard the Lord call your name and you said yes to Him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, you know who I am and you know what I've done. You know what I've accomplished. You know me and all of my rebellion, but I hear you talking to me and I want, I want you. I don't want just knowledge of you and knowledge about you. I want you, Lord. I want relationship with you. I want you to have my heart. I want you to live inside of me. I want to live inside of you. I want to be your chosen instrument. And listen to me. It may be, right? Your Damascus road may be a a bright light from heaven. And it may be a commanding voice, a loud voice. Or it might be... When you're out there on the mountaintop by yourself, right? And you're looking out at life. 
It might be the whisper. And you being a chosen instrument, your audience may be two little kids sitting at the dinner table at your house. Or your audience might be kings and kingdoms. It might be people groups. Here's my point. It doesn't matter what kind of instrument you are for God. When you're an instrument for God, you got power, you got purpose, and it'll make a difference in eternity for someone. So I'm not here today to compare me or you to Saul. All I'm here to do is to ask you a question. Have you been on the Damascus Road yet? Have you had your Damascus Road yet? And if you haven't, I'm praying. I'm praying that you will soon and very soon before it is too late. I'm praying for your Damascus Road. And I'm praying for the Spirit to speak to you and to prepare your heart and your mind and be ready to say, Yes, Lord. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying today that you will be the one that God speaks to and you'll be the one that says, Okay, Lord, I will be your chosen instrument wherever you tell me to go. Whatever you tell me to do. My prayer is for you today. Yes, fathers, but for you today, Christ followers, and for you today, maybe you've been sitting on the edge. Right? Maybe you've been looking at that way of life that Jesus is and that Jesus talks about liberation in life, but maybe you've been standing feet firmly planted in this way, the way of the world, the way of self, which is imprisonment and death. Maybe you've been wanting to just kind of get closer and closer. I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit will pick you up and put your feet firmly in Jesus and that Jesus will change your life right now and forever, your eternity. Amen.